Anyway, good morning. Uh, welcome to Christ Community. A little strange start there. My name is Tim, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad uh, to have you with us. And uh, <clears throat> this morning, we're actually we're starting a, a new series on the Proverbs we're calling Restart Smart. And our kind of the thought is the fall, maybe more than any other time in the year, maybe even more than the new year, is a time when we, we begin to make like new decisions, new rhythms. We're setting new uh, items to our, our calendar. We're making lots of decisions, most likely. And all of us, I would hope, like we would want to restart smart. Otherwise, we'd call this series Restart Dumb, which I probably would be much better at preaching at. I think I, I could actually nail that series, uh, more so than this one maybe. But, but that's what we, we, we want to think about this fall, is how do we make good decisions and I don't know about you, but being smart, being smart and making good decisions is, is, is hard. Uh, this is why I've only been to the Cheesecake Factory one time in my entire life. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, this is a shot of their menu. And this is just the desserts and the drinks. So if you've been there, you know, like, the, the menu is like, it's like a book. It's like, they have over 250 items you can choose from, which is, like, it's just absurd. That's why my favorite restaurant in the world is In-N-Out. Burger. We don't have them in Kansas City. They're just out west for the most part. But I love In-N-Out because you get two choices when you go to In-N-Out. You can have a cheeseburger or you can have nothing. <laughs> they make the decision for you, and I love it because they make the best cheeseburger in the world, in my humble and correct opinion. And <clears throat> Cheesecake Factory is nothing like that. And I wish life was In-N-Out. But it's not. Life is Cheesecake Factory. And there are endless opportunities, endless decisions in front of you, do I take this new job? Right? What, what college do I go to? Who is the spouse I should marry? What's the right college I should attend? What's, what's the career path, the vocation I should stay on or eject from and find something new? And, and the thing is, like, these decisions we make, they're decisions that have massive implications for our life. Like, we can't, we can't turn back from them. We can't undo them. And so how do we become a people who make like, good decisions, who make the right decisions? And the Bible's answer to that is this word wisdom. The Bible's advice to us is not, hey, here's how you're going to make really great decisions by having the right answers. or by how, Here's how you get really good advice. The Bible is just a little bit different than that. And its answer to how you and I navigate this very complex world is this concept, this idea, wisdom. In Proverbs, it is, about, it is about wisdom. And so this morning, we're going to kind of start with sort of a series intro, but really Proverbs lays out for itself what the book is about here in the first seven verses. But we're going to talk about wisdom this morning as we, as we look towards these new rhythms we're entering into in the fall. And, and we're going to kind of break down this, this discussion this morning, three points, what wisdom is, why it's so hard to get, why it eludes us, and thirdly, the only way to get it. So first, what wisdom is. And like I said, Proverbs 1, it's, it's clear. This is a book about wisdom. So verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. And that's where we start. And that's really important because the Proverbs, like, it's a bunch of sayings, which just kind of litter the book. Like, there's just sayings all over the place throughout the book of Proverbs. And it could be really easy to get lost in the weeds of all these sort of weird, kind of interesting, pithy sayings and lose the fact that what the book is ultimately about is becoming a wise person. And so the, the, the Hebrew word wisdom, it, uh, it's, the, it's the Hebrew word chokmah. And I want you to say that with me, all right? Chokmah. So say it with me. Ready? 
Chokmah. Very good. You have a good guttural. You get some phlegm out, maybe. Uh, when I was in seminary and I, was, uh, I would do like my Hebrew vocabulary, uh, I would always do it in another room. And, and I would sometimes look behind me and Misty would just be, just be there staring at me, laughing at me. And she would just say, you, you sound ridiculous. That was really encouraging. Um, <clears throat> and so that, that chokmah, that's the word uh, for, for wisdom. And, and I, if I was to define wisdom... Um, and, and other people have defined it this way. But, but wisdom is the skillful art of living in God's world. Wisdom is the skillful art of living in God's world. And I want to unpack that definition in a few ways. Almost by saying what it's not before we say, and because and, we'll spend really the, the next six weeks unpacking uh, what it is. But, but I want to start with what it's not. Because I think you could read Proverbs and easily get lost into something that wisdom is not intended to be. And the, the first, wisdom... Um, wisdom is more than having the right information. And so I'm going to let you do something that uh, would normally uh, I would not want you to do. And I was, if you have a smartphone, get it out. <clears throat> Go ahead, it's okay. And if you're one of those people who's like, oh, I, my Bible's on my smartphone, sure it is. I'm sure your Bible's on your smartphone. Or you t- I'm sure you take notes and you're, you know, all those things. But get your smartphone out. I, I'm going to ask two questions, and let's see how quickly we can get the answer. All right, so smartphone's out. Uh, question one. What is the date Albert Einstein was born? And as soon as you got it, shout it out. Date and year. Because we actually there's someone here who actually shares a birthday with Albert Einstein. I learned this morning. March 14th, 1879. March 14th, 1879. There we go. We very quickly learned Albert Einstein's uh, birthday. All right, question two. What is 4,684... Times 2,365. And I'll be really impressed if you can just say what the number is. It took me a long time to figure it out. Answer? Yes, Kristen. 11,077,660. That's very good. That's very quick. Uh, All right, third question. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? All right, I got my holy grail, Monty Python people in the room. Sorry about that. I need it. I needed that moment uh, for myself. But uh, here's the thing, like, it is amazing how much, don't really try to answer that question. That's from a movie called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Sorry if, you, if that went over your head, it's okay, I'm, I'm a nerd. Um, but, like, we have um, incredible access to information. Like, 30 years ago, how long would it have taken to figure out, you know, 5,000 times 3,000? You'd have to write it out and take your time. Throughout, you and I, we have an unprecedented amount of information available to us at our fingertips, at our phone. And yet wisdom, you can have all the information you need and not be wise. One example, uh, Steve Jobs' daughter recently wrote kind of a memoir called Small Fry um, about her dad and her experience with her dad. And Steve Jobs, we all know, is a brilliant uh, businessman, a brilliant uh, innovator. Uh, the smartphone you just pulled out probably was like it was his design, it was his idea. Um, and yet you read the memoir of what, what she said about her dad and like he was brilliant. Like he had all he had tons of information in his head. Um, but she doesn't say this directly, but this is what the memoir is about. Is is he he didn't know how to be a father. He didn't know how to he had no wisdom. He was brilliant, but didn't navigate life very well. So wisdom is more than having the right information, first. And secondly, wisdom is about more than than moral living. It's more than about knowing what the right thing to do is and what the wrong thing to do is. That it's more than about do's and don'ts or rights and, and, and wrongs. That it's, Proverbs is more about uh, God has designed the universe in a particular way. 
And so that's, for example, like, if you know, like, someone who's truly greedy, most likely they're very unhappy, and they're very unsatisfied, and they're always buying things, they're always, they're always complaining, right? Greedy, if you are greedy, you are running against the design of the universe, and that's why you're probably going to be unhappy. And yet, like, that's not necessarily always true. There are greedy people that are really, like, they're really self-satisfied with, with things. And, and yet, Proverbs, it's not saying being greedy is always wrong. That's a no. Proverbs is more saying, no, like, there's a design to the, to the universe, and greed runs against that, that design. So it's about more than what's right or what's wrong. It's, it's about what's, how this world's designed. And beyond that, um, beyond that, it's, it's most of the decisions you and I face, they're not necessarily, like, morally, ethically right or wrong reasons, what college to go to, like there's, you know, there might be some morally incorrect answers depend on, depending on like who you root for, I guess. But, uh, but technically, like you can go to any college and it's, that's a morally neutral question. Or what spouse you, you marry uh, is a morally neutral question for the most part. What job you take, all of the calendar decisions you made for this fall, that, like there's not, unless you're like choosing to outright sin, most likely those decisions were all like, well... Either way, it could be right. Which way is right? And, and that's why Proverbs is about more than, than just don't do really bad things and do really good things. It's about living within this design. It's about answering these difficult decisions that you and I have to make. So wisdom, it's more than moral living. It's more than about having information. And, and thirdly, it's, it's, it's about more than making good decisions. It's about making good decisions, but it's about more um, than that. And I don't know if you've heard of, of this thing called uh, decision fatigue. And that is the more decisions you make, uh, the worse you get at making decisions. So like if you start up early in the morning and you have to make a bunch of decisions, then by the end of the day, if you have to continue to make decisions, you're going to make terrible decisions. So the best example of that is my family and dinner. Uh, If we have not already decided what is for dinner long before 5 o'clock rolls around, like dinner at 5 o'clock is going to be pizza rolls, which is not a good decision ever. Um, As good as they look, once you've eaten them, it's always a huge mistake. And that, like, decision fatigue is a real thing. It's, and it, neuroscientists have, sh- have discovered that lo- the more decisions you make, the worse they make. And here's the reality is you and I have the freedom to make more decisions than any human beings in history. The fact that we get to choose our career, well, that was not true through most of human history. You did whatever your parents told you to do. But that is a major decision we make. Or what spouse that you, you choose uh, to marry. We have the freedom to make that decision in our cultural context. That's a major decision. Or you think even like the freedom we have just to choose what food we eat today. Like that freedom was not available through most of human history. You and I have a number of decisions that are available to us that's never been true. And so if a culture ever needed the Proverbs to help us like to discern what good decision making truly looks like, that, like we need it badly. And yet wisdom, it's about more than just making good decisions. It's about skillfully living in, in our God-designed world. It's about navigating this complex place in a way that leads to human flourishing and growth and joy and, and a good life. And that is really hard. And it's why we wanted to, to spend some time thinking about wisdom in the Proverbs together. So that's what wisdom is, the skillful art of navigating God's world, of living in God's world. So why, why are none of us wise? I mean, maybe you are, but like, like, why is wisdom so difficult? Why, why are we so overwhelmed by the decisions in front of us? And, and Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 really lays out the, the two things that are true of the wise person. If you want to be wise, there's two things you have to do, and they rhyme. Like, so this should be really easy for you to remember. The two things, if you want to, if you want to be a wise person, you have to hear 
and you have to fear. Right? And y'all know, like, I'm not a cheesy guy. I don't normally do that. But, like, God made that happen. So here in fear, like, just go with it. Um, and the first is, is, and it takes a while to get here, verse 5. Um, but if you want to be wise, hear, hear the first four verses again. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing. In righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear. And increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. So the first three verses, really, they're setups for verse 5, which is, listen, if you want to grow in wisdom, you have to hear. You have to listen. And throughout Proverbs, we're going to find two, two groups of people. There's the wise and there's the fool. And the primary differ- differentiation between the wise and the fool is the wise listens and the fool loves to speak. And that's how, I mean, that's how Proverbs 7 ends, is uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or, or Proverbs 15 actually, lay, I think, lays this out in the most compelling uh, way. For Proverbs 15, 2 and 14 uh, says this about the, the wise and the fool. It says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fool pour out folly. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. And so the fool loves, loves to speak and loves to hear himself speak. The wise person has a posture of listening, of learning, of hearing. Right? The thing that your mom maybe told you all the time growing up, hey, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason, like that's, that's deeply biblical. That's Proverbs. <laughs> Listen, hear. And it's not just like, in one ear, it's not just hearing, it's, it's I can learn from anybody. There's, if this is God's designed world, that means there is wisdom all around me at all times. And so am I navigating this world thinking I've got this place figured out, or am I navigating this, this world on the lookout for God and his wisdom? If you want to be wise, you have to hear. And, and that's more next week's sermon, so I'm gonna, we're going to kind of move on from that, because we're really going to dig into that next week. Um, but secondly, uh, so we hear and we, we fear. And so if you want to, if you're an underliner, if you're a highlighter in your Bible, Proverbs can really be summed up in verse 7. The whole point of Proverbs is right here in verse 7. which is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. And, and this, this phrase, fear of the Lord, is a phrase that pro- like, doesn't maybe connect with our culture because we, like, we immediately think, oh, we're supposed to be afraid of God, like God's scary and we're to be in fear of him. And it's not quite what the Hebrew word for fear here means. And so if I was to you know, describe this Hebrew word for fear uh, in, in English language, in our language today, I would say to fear the Lord is, is a worshipful submission. It's a worshipful submission and so it, it is submission. He is the creator and I am not. And that means that he knows more about this world than I do. And I cannot know or I cannot navigate this world without his help because he designed it and he created it. And just like if you go to Ikea today and you buy something to build, if you do not have like the instructions next to you, you're probably not going to do a great job of building it because there's a design. And if you try to operate life, you try to navigate life without God, you're, you're, you're navigating it without the designer. 
you have to submit to the design in order to flourish, in order to have a good life. And here's where a lot of, I think a lot of us as human beings, like we just struggle with this because we look at some things said in the Bible or we, look, we think about God and we're like, you know, God's just not very practical. Um, he's, like he has advice that just seems unrealistic in the scriptures. And yet, if God made the world, if he's the creator, it means like he created the idea of adolescence. Which means he knows how to parent your middle schooler better than you do. Because he, he made up the idea. That God, like he created a world of, of the capacity to, to, to grow and to cultivate. And so he understands like markets and economies and money. Better than you and I, because he made it. He created it. And he understands you probably better, I mean, definitely better than you understand you, because he designed you, he made you, he created you. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, what does this have to do with, like, my fall restart? Like, what does fearing the Lord have to do with the new season I'm in and the change? And, how, like, how do you connect those two things for me? And listen, if you, if you submit your life to the Lord... And you navigate this world as if he understands this world far better than you do. He's far more practical than you do. He's, he's, than you are. He's far more smart than you are. If you navigate this world in that way, there's two things that become true for you. One is the pressure is off. When you think about like, all the decisions you have to make uh, as, you, as you enter into the fall, what trips to take, what not to take, what to enroll your kids in, what not to enroll your kids in, how to, to structure your calendar, what should you do, what shouldn't you do. Uh, many of you are teachers in this room. You're going back, you get new students. How do you navigate new, like there's so many things to navigate and there's so much pressure to do the right thing at all times under all circumstances. But if you fear the Lord, if you submit to the Lord, the pressure is off. I think of it like this. Uh, in, in 2012, a long time ago, uh, February 7th of 2012, I had two things scheduled for that day. One was to interview with a church in Kansas City called Christ Community about whether or not I should go there uh, as my next step after seminary. That was one thing on my calendar. The other thing on my calendar was that, was that my first child was due that day, Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah ended up coming up a little, a little early, so no, I did not like go to an interview while my wife is in labor. That did not happen. Um, so Isaiah came, but, but I, remember I was in a chapel service a, a week or so before um, before, uh, before that day, and I was just overwhelmed because I felt the way I'm, gonna, I'm entering into being a father. I have no idea what that's like. I have no idea how to do that. Um, I have no idea what's ahead. And then secondly, um, what, what's my next job? Is this the right next step? Is it not? Um, what, like, where is God calling me? And I was just over, I had felt so much pressure. And then there was a song, and I, I think it was the first time I ever heard it. It's an old hymn, but someone had redone it, it's, and it's called Jesus, Savior, Pilot Me. And this hymn, just, it just released the pressure. In the first verse, it goes like this. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous seas. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rock and treacherous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. And like what I realized, like I, I had a good hunch that being a parent meant like things were going to be really hard at times, having a child. It's just like you're bringing a human being into this world. Life is hard and difficult. I knew that was coming. Um, I was also wise enough to know pastoral ministry is not like it's not, there's not a context where it's really an easy job. It's just not. And so I knew there was, there was trouble ahead. And I, that's what I was trying. I was trying to navigate my life to avoid as much trouble as possible. And what that hymn was saying and teaching to me was the idea, God is God. He's creator. He knows what's ahead. He knows the, the treacherous shoal. He knows the waves. He under, he's going to guide you through it. Chart and compass will come from him, not from you. 
And I just, I just this, the pressure of, of designing my life for myself, for at least for a moment, was released. And is that how you experience life? As you make decisions, do you make them like with wisdom and like they matter, your choices matter, and yet the pressure isn't on you because you're not running your own universe. You're not designing your own life. It's not yours. You are not God. You are not the creator. He is. But to get there, it means you have to respect your place. You have to, to understand that God sets the terms for your life, not you. And because God has a creation-wide scope of the world, and, and you and I have a very narrow scope of the world, he's going to do things and he's going to lead you in directions that you will not understand. And that's okay. You cannot design a perfect life for your child. You cannot design a perfect life for yourself. You cannot make every right decision that will lead you to exactly what you were hoping you would get in the end. And the sooner you submit to the Lord and let him design and lead your life, the sooner the pressure is off. Fear the Lord. This is one, if, if you fear the Lord, the pressure is off you. But secondly, if you fear the Lord, it means there's no accusations. And here, like here, we make huge decisions that affect not only our own lives, but the lives of those around us, those we work with, our friends. If you have kids, every decision you make has a, a dramatic effect on your child. And so because of that, there's all kinds of rooms, all kinds of room for accusations to flood in. Oh, you, you messed that up. Look what you did. Look at the cost other people are paying for, for you. And listen, there's a, there's a sense in which that, like, you should obviously be aware of those things. And yet there's a difference between, like, like guilt, which you can seek forgiveness for, and mistakes, which Jesus died for, and like accusations. Like there's a difference. And fear of the Lord does not mean that God is up there angry, just ready to get you. Just ready to see you fall, and he's going he's to come with an accusation once you make a wrong turn. That's not what that means. In fact, what it means, and this leads us into point three. Um, so it's sort of weird. Point two and three kind of overlap with one another. Um, but So we started, what wisdom is, skillful art of, of living in God's world. The reason it's hard for us is because we don't listen, we don't hear, and we don't fear the Lord. We don't live in submission to him. Um, but if you live in submission to him, it, it's going to mean you're free of accusations. Because the Proverbs here in, in the Hebrew uh, Bible are different than the Proverbs of the surrounding culture. And so the way you get wisdom, how to get wisdom, point three, is not by learning all of these maxims, memorizing them, and doing them. That's, that's not what Proverbs 1 says. In every other uh, uh, sort of ancient Near East culture that, that lived at this time that had these Proverbs, they had very similar sayings to what you'll find in the rest of the Proverbs, but they didn't have chapter 1. Chapter 1 is different. It's unique. Verse 7 is unique to the Hebrew people. This, this phrase, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of navigating this difficult world does not start with, with knowing the right answers. It doesn't start with information. It doesn't start with memorizing the maxims. It starts with fearing the Lord. It starts with a relationship with God. It's a fear of the Lord. It is not just submission. It is a worshipful submission. It is a personal encounter with the living God of the universe. And if, so if you want to be wise, if you want to navigate this life with success that leads to flourishing and joy, that means that God should be the most important thing about you. The thing that most singly defines you is God. And so is, that, is God the most important thing about you? 
And I don't mean like, do you pray before you make a decision? I hope you do that. Um, I mean like, is your life rhythm centered around God? Does your day begin with, with morning prayer before the Lord, seeking his wisdom, humbling yourself? And does your day end with evening prayer, going to rest? God, I, I tried my best. This thing is yours. I'm sleeping, right? Like how, is your rhythm of life centered around like God? Or is it centered around yourself? Because this is a hard world to navigate. And Proverbs is very honest about that. There, there are people who want to like, lead you down a bad path. That's, this is just reality. There is, there is suffering in this world. There is hardship in this world. There are difficult decisions to make in this world. Proverbs is very, very honest about that. And so the, inv- the sin- invitation at the center of Proverbs is for God to be by your side walking you through this richly complex and difficult world. And I don't think any of us really want that, right? I, I kind of wish instead, like, God was just like Google in the sky. I was like, God, I got a question. And Google, you know, I Google up the question, and he just sends me down an answer, right? And it's just, oh, God, I got it. And a lot of us, that's what our prayer life is like. It's like, God, I need this. And we just wait for something to fly back down at us. And, and that's not, Proverbs is not saying, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is God is there by your side, navigating you through these, these decisions, forming you in a particular type of person. I think the best way to illustrate this is I, my oldest son, Isaiah, he is, he's in first grade now, and, and so uh, we have homework every night, which makes zero sense. He's in first grade. It's like, can you just, like, go climb a tree or something? Like, why are we doing homework, you know? And, and so we have homework every night. And, and what's frustrating is, is you know, is I'm 35, which means his math equations are really easy. Like, I get them really fast. Um, and, and I could... Uh, I could just tell him the answer, right? It's like two plus two, it's four, dude. Come on, right? It's, and he knows, like it's really easy. And yet the point of the homework, the point of the exercise, the point of sight words is not for me to supply him, not to be his Google and supply him all the answers. Because if I do, he will never grow. He'll never get beyond the complexities of simple math or simple words and reading. And the reason God doesn't want to fly down answers at you is he's trying to make you into more than that. He's trying to make me into more than that. And one of the unique things, I think, of Christianity is that every, uh, and C.S. Lewis talked about this, every saint, every believer is just so uniquely different. We're not, we're not, there's no copies here. Which means that's why at the center of wisdom, at the center of the Proverbs, is a relationship. Is God wanting to navigate this life with you. He wants to sit down next to you. He wants to teach you. He wants to read sight words with you. He wants to start with simple math and build you into calculus. And the only way, the only way that will ever be true of you, the only way you'll get to a place where you can make really good decisions, when you can navigate the complexities of this life, is all of those hours of simplicity with God in prayer, in reading your Bible, in worship here, those build up into a, into a type of person that makes good decisions. But wisdom starts not with having great answers or having the right maxims. It starts sitting next to God and being invited into life with him. It starts by making God the most important thing about you, whatever that means for your individual life. And so you're like, okay, so how does that even work, right? What is that? How can we be confident that's true? How does that even look? And, and listen, this is Jesus, his, his invitation to us in Matthew 11 is to come to him, to come to me, to take my yoke upon you, to learn from me, for I'm gentle, lily in heart. Jesus invites us into the same life we see in, in Proverbs. Jesus invites to, to do life alongside of you. And there are two things that are true about Jesus. 
that should make you want to do the life with him like that. Two things that are true of Jesus. First is that he is the most brilliant human being that ever lived. Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. I, like I mean, like literally, I mean, there is not another smart, there's not a human being who's ever been smarter than Jesus. In Dallas Willard, he talks about this in one of his books. And here's what he says. I mean, this is a longer quote, but this is what, Jesus is the most brilliant person ever. Here's what uh, Willard says about that. This is at the literally mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weather patterns, eliminate unfruitful trees without saw or axe. He only needed a word. Surely he must be amused at what noble prices are awarded for today. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He's not just nice, he is brilliant. He is the smartest man who ever lived. He is now supervising the entire course of human history while simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it. He always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matter most in the human life. But here's the thing, like Jesus isn't just the smartest person that ever lives. Because like, remember the smartest person in your high school? I don't know if that person was like my person, but the smartest person in my, my high school was super snooty. Like if you asked a dumb question, they just looked at you like you are so dumb. Like he just let you know it. But Jesus, is, he's not like that. Right? And we come to him with our dumb questions. Right? Like basic things that he's taught on many times. And we're like, well, should I do that? He's like, you know, I only said like a hundred times to do that. But yes, do that. Like Jesus is not snooty. He's, he doesn't sneer at us. He doesn't disdain us. He, 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 what he does is he gives up heaven. He comes to our world. He spends his entire life teaching us, and no one listens to him. No one takes his advice. No one takes him seriously, at least not the power structures of the day. In fact, what the power structures of the day did was they put him on a cross to humiliate him and to, to sneer at him and disdain him, and he dies. He dies for us. The, most, the smartest, most brilliant human being ever, who is God, dies for us. How in the world do you and I then go on living our lives as, as if we can navigate this world without his help? How do we think we can navigate this world without humbly, prayerfully listening to him in all that we do and say? Every evening should be ended with prayer to him. Every morning should begin with prayer to him because Jesus is brilliant and he knows everything. And he wants to know you. And to say yes to that invitation is the beginning of wisdom.